once her husband had died, the house seemed so empty, so lonely, that any little ritual she could find to hold her life together had become important. So, so she knew about Gaudete Sunday. She, she was up early, fed the dog, scanned her newsfeed, made her check out for a pledge envelope, marked the Sunday lections in her Bible, consumed the ritual hot tea and croissant, and by 10 o'clock was in her car heading for the Sunday Eucharist at St. Michael and All Angels. You knew what to expect there. You knew how to act, what to say, what to avoid. You always complimented the minister on the sermon, whether or not it had been inspirational. <clears throat> but, but you never let those around you think that you were too interested, lest they label you as a fanatic or, or something like that. You were hard-pressed to find anything that, that didn't just fall right into place at St. Michael's, except for this Sunday. The events of this Sunday, this, this day in question, would live forever on the various list serves of the parish and the ceramic coffee mugs of the men's breakfast. There, right before the congregation started to kneel for the Eucharistic prayer that day, William came in the west door. Now, Mrs. Kirkhouse knew William from the weekday services when she, from time to time, stepped over the cardboard box he occasionally set up on mornings in front of the church when it turned cold or wet. Today, he was inebriated and underdressed, at least for Sunday mornings at St. Michael's. He wandered up to the row of chairs in front of the opening pew, the very first pew, and one of the teenagers seated about midway back wondered why on earth anyone would do that. Anybody with any sense knew, folk who knew how to go to church never sat in those chairs all the way up front. Well, once in place, he settled in, and then suddenly, and, and, and I mean right in the middle of the Eucharistic prayer, he stood and shouted, hey, preacher, Pre preacher, I... And then in that moment, right then, he fell down in the middle of the center aisle. Now, I don't need to tell you that the congregation was paralyzed. No, appalled. Something like this just wasn't supposed to happen. One could imagine that steps would be taken to see that it didn't happen again. But in the meantime, two ushers stepped forward, made sure that he was still breathing, asked for doctors to come and check. They did. And then picked him up from the center aisle and took him unceremoniously out the side door to the memorial garden outside the church where they hoped he might not come to until church was out. Now, it took two or three moments for everyone to regain their composure, but then the liturgy proceeded. Later, many congratulated the minister on the grace with which he had carried himself under such trying circumstances. Now, there is a somewhat porous wall between Broadway and the Christchurch nave. 
albeit with doors subject to locking, a front line of greeters, ushers, the rather imposing architecture of the building and the atmosphere of propriety that most of us, including this preacher, actively engage. The Wayfarers, you may have noticed this ministry, especially as we've come back from COVID, the Wayfarers, beginning about 8.15, 8.30, meet here, coming up our ramp and in the side door. They represent Christ Church to the Williams of Nashville. They meet and greet and listen and watch and pray and, if it may be, offer direct assistance or information about where assistance might be obtained. We can be grateful, should be grateful for this ministry. In fact, coming back from COVID, that number has, I would say, nearly tripled the number of folks who come in the side door there. Many, many more that, than we have wayfarers. Should the Lord call you to that work, there's, there's, there's a harvest to be gathered there. You know, but I pray this ministry, I pray the ministry of the wayfarers is not somehow protecting Christ church from the stranger in our midst. I pray that our, our wayfarers do not safeguard us from the unfamiliar and the off-putting. The, the, the potential scandal of the stranger's presence at the Eucharist confronts and reminds of the plentiful diversity within the body of Christ. It confronts and reminds that the pursuit of holiness, I want to say, can I get an amen? The, the pursuit of holiness and its application comes in many forms, but not the scandalous. When John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus to ask him if he's the one for whom they've been waiting, Jesus doesn't give them a direct answer. That, that's how he works. That, that's how he engages the public. Instead, he says to them, go and tell John what you see and hear. The blind are beginning to see. The, the lame are beginning to walk. Lepers are being cleansed. The deaf are beginning to hear. And the dead are being raised up. The poor, they're having good news preached to them. Go tell John, Jesus says, what you're seeing and what you're experiencing. Now, Jesus knew that John would immediately think of those passages in Isaiah, much like the one we had read this morning or, or the psalm that we had this morning that echoes this. He knew he would think of those passages that anticipated the coming of the Messiah. Jesus also knew that John would have to struggle to see him as the Messiah. In Isaiah, God was the one who healed and cleansed and redeemed, but now God has come in human form, the God-man, an outrage to the prophets, a scandal to the faithful, a surprise to the residents of Bethlehem. So certain is Jesus that John will struggle with the message he adds. He gives us this little tag at the end of the lesson, this almost curious, blessed is he, who takes no offense at me. The Greek word translated here to take offense comes from the same word used for the English cognate scandalize. In other words, blessed is the one who's not scandalized by me. Jesus was afraid that John might have defined messiahship in such a way that would not allow him to see Jesus as the Christ. 
And frankly, he's afraid that you might do the same. If families, children, institutions, and legacies are so protected from the Williams of the world, the one who is to barge into life when least expected, you may never recognize the Christ knocking at the door of your heart seeking entrance. You may come to Jesus with such preconceived notions of how he should be, how he should look, what he should wear, and of the needs you want to have met that you're rarely quiet enough or still enough, attentive enough to hear what he's saying, to see what he's doing to save you from your sins, to hear what he's calling you to be. More often than not, the Jesus you want, the Jesus you want to meet is the one who would make a good conversation partner at cocktail and dinner parties. Not, not the one who actually eats with Wall Street brokers and street gang members. The Jesus you want to meet is the soft, malleable, hallmark card-wrapped philosopher who holds out for unconditional love, not the one who rails against the excesses of the culture, not the one who uncompromisingly calls you to repent of your sins. More often than not, the Jesus you're looking for is the one who would make you feel good, the one who would set you at ease, the, 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 one, the one who would tell you everything's going to be all right. And do you see, this is the scandal of what the church and culture have made of the good news. This is the scandal of what the church has done with the cross of Christ. It's the scandal of a domesticated faith. God loves William. God loves Mrs. Kirkhouse just as surely as he loves you and me. But the benefit of his blessing extended will rest on those who are not scandalized by the gospel, on those who are not offended by Jesus. I say, open your hearts and minds to this Messiah. Look to be led into the land of unlikeness. Pray for an Advent blessing this week. Pray in the knowledge that you're more likely to find it at William's side, standing with him, listening to him as if God were speaking to you, praying with him, announcing good news to him. You're much more likely to find it there than conforming to the expectations of this world.